Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Local New York Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, I'm talking with Paul from Adirondack Creamery. Well, I'm very happy that John from their team reached out to me a, uh, about a month or so ago and and and, and asked if, if Paul could come on the podcast. It was so much fun. I'm so thrilled that they reached out because I had no idea that they existed. It's not often that we buy ice cream, but when we do, we kind of like stick to our brand, but that's now changed, I got to say, having uh, eaten uh, maybe two or three pints of Adirondack Creamery in the past two weeks. Yeah, so I love the ice cream, but I loved sitting down and talking with Paul and getting to know his story. These are I've said it before. These are some of my favorite guests on the podcast or people who I have no idea who they are, and I get to sit down and learn all about them, and they're just so much fun to hear their story and hear how they started. But more importantly for me, the thing is that I'm fascinated about is um, how they, what happened in the middle. You know, anybody can start something. It's really, do you have the legs to kind of carry it to something bigger? And so it's really interesting to hear how Paul did that. It's also fascinating just to find out more. I mean, it's this, this conversation really is on theme of everything and not intentionally, but it's on theme of everything that we've been talking about everything I've been talking about for the last month or two, and that is my desire to see and get back to the focus on our local region's foods. And Adirondack Creamery, they're using local ingredients. They're manufactured just here in central New York. And it's, so it's a really fascinating thing to find this company who has a large reach, who's in Wegmans, and who's still making a really simple ice cream recipe using local ingredients and not just jamming the thing full of crazy chemicals and stuff like that. So it's really cool to have Paul on and, and to find out about his company. Um, I'm excited because it's, today's May 1st. We've got so many events happening, not for Eat Local New York, but so many events happening throughout the city of Syracuse and central New York. I think of this coming weekend, there's like, I think Crawfish Festival is this weekend. We've got Cinco de Mayo. On Saturday, there's a Latin festival at Harvey's Garden. Um it's Saturday is also, I think it's Saturday. Yes. Uh, Saturday or Sunday? Saturday is Derby Day. And the, yeah, Saturday is Derby Day. <laughs> and so we're going to see all those themed parties and drinks going on. Um, we've got Taste of Syracuse coming up. We have uh, in, in the beginning of June, which is a huge deal for downtown. We have the uh, Inner Harbor Wing Festival, which is just bonkers, crazy busy. I think this is their fourth, third, or fourth year doing it, and it's just, it gets bigger and bigger every single year, so I'm really looking forward to that. Actually, we're going to have a tent there at the Wing Fest. We're going to be in charge of the People's uh, people's Choice for the award, so uh, we're going to be doing that, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, just a lot going on. Eat Local New York here. We're, we're traveling more. We're getting out to Rochester again this week and looking to get to New York City later in the month to go down there and, and create some content and get little bit more deeper involved into that food scene. Um, we also have, if you didn't know, May is uh, Beef Month, and so they're going to be celebrating that. We're going to be at a press conference tomorrow announcing a project that we did a little bit of work with for the New York Beef Council, and that is their beef passport that's going to be running throughout the summer. It's really cool. It involves uh, 30 or 40 restaurants all across New York State, um, so just really, really cool initiative to, to put a focus on consuming beef here in New York state. Uh, we've got another project we've been working. There's just so much going on, a lot going on. So I'm really thrilled that, you know, 
A, we can stay busy and stay relevant here at E-Local New York, but B, just that there's so many cool things happening all over our region. So make sure, you know, I don't know, I don't think there is a central hub that um, lists all those events and all the things that are happening, but just check the big ones, check Visit Syracuse and all that stuff, and you can check our Instagram because we'll be posting about things. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I do want to talk about our sponsor for the podcast, and that's Brown Carbonic. It's really important that we all work with locally owned companies. And Brown Carbonic has been family owned and operated here in central New York and in Syracuse for decades. And the, the list of things that they offer and provide and, and, and sell uh, to restaurants and food service businesses is, is kind of um, endless if you go down every, every single avenue of things that they offer. But if it's beverage-related, it's them. Let me put it that way. Their tagline is, we put the fizz in your biz, which is very literal for them. And if you're specifically a draft, if you're a, a bar, a brewery, if you have a draft beer system, you should be talking to them for your nitrogen and CO2. And you can reach them at 315-454-3591. And make sure you, you tell them that you heard about them here on the Eat Local New York podcast. But again, a great family-owned business that's offering everything from nitrogen and CO2 to craft sodas and beverages. And uh, it's a really easy transition for you to get away from using the national companies and using a local company that puts a lot of effort into what they do for their customers. So Again, reach them at 315-454-3591. Well, without further ado, here is this week's podcast. It's my conversation with Paul from Adirondack Creamery. So, I mean, introduce yourself to the listeners. So, uh, you know, your name is Paul. Yeah. You own an ice cream business. Yep. So tell us more. <laughs> yep. Uh, my name's Paul, Paul Nasrani, and I uh, am the owner and the founder of uh, Adirondack Creamery Ice Cream. Um, this was not at all my original career. Uh, <laughs> a long time ago, uh, I actually studied accounting and finance, but but mm. the ice cream thing started as a little kid. I, uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania and uh, worked on a farm in the summer times, mm. and we used to make ice cream at the end of the day and it used to be a dairy farm mm. and that stuck with me it was like there's a, like three big influences that stuck with me that was really positive it was fun you're making something you're changing it from one thing to another mm. i was just mesmerized and the second thing was my dad 1970s always had a box of ice cream every night little vanilla while he's watching the news classic <laughs> five days a week and so you know it always brings me back to like it was just this awesome time we'd have some ice cream and, and the third was my time up in the adirondacks as a, as a kid, we'd go up to uh, Silver Bay YMCA, which is this great kind of a family camp setting, a lot of old buildings, turn of the century, and had this ice cream store. Mm. And every night, the whole community would gather in that place. Ice wow. cream, hot fudge, I could have it every night of the week. <laughs> and it planted a seed in my mind, which has gone through you know many different iterations, but it was always there. So it was a really cool, cool influence. That's awesome. So... Um so you, you grew up working in summers on the on the farm. So what did your parents do for a living? Uh, so my dad is, uh, he's a first, he immigrated here from India okay. and he became a minister after uh, studying geology. So he's a, I'm a son of a, of a, actually a new immigrant at that time. And my mom is from Rochester originally. Okay. And uh, her family actually traces back to the Mayflower. So my dad was a minister. My mom was working in the hospital. Nobody's in the food business. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's in business. They're in serving the community and doing, you know, public work and, and, 
you know, a mix of old and new cultures, you know, put together. That's wild. Yeah, so what, now what year did your dad come to America? My dad came in 1963. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a one of my favorite pictures of my dad is uh, he's standing on uh, 42nd Street. There's a Y, or 34th Street, there's a Y, and he's standing with his suitcase and a sweater. And <laughs> I think he had, you know, five bucks, stayed at the Y, and uh, he ended up getting, you know, he had a scholarship to school, and he ended mm-hmm. up going out to college in Ohio. So, wow. you know, he landed here. And he's the only member of my family until recently from that side of the family that ever came. He came on his own, totally on his own. So wow, nobody here, nobody over there was really in favor of him doing it. Um, and you know, he was coming from you know a poor family of farmers that mm. uh, you know they all believed in education, got educated, and you know that's what led him here. That's wild. That is a wild story. Yeah, it's. Um, did he have a lot of siblings? Yeah, so he has uh, five brothers and sisters okay. all together, and, and none of them we've you know I, they've all passed now, but it's been great to go see them yeah. uh, over the years, and we didn't go that often, but uh, you know now we've got a couple cousins that have come over, and uh, but yeah, and no one there was in the food business either. <laughs> they were they were also into like public service, teachers, and, and and things like that of that nature. After my great grandfather and grandfather were farmers. Okay, yeah. So now, how did you get, I mean, just, I'm assuming it's just kind of the area that you lived in of how did you go to start working on a farm over the summers when you were growing up? Oh, so um, the farm was, uh, my dad had a church and he was a minister and part of the church family was uh, was, was a, fam, a farm family. And okay. so, you know, I was friends, kids the same age. And this ties into the ice cream business now, actually, because we spent time, uh, they're like, look, you know, I was 12 years old. What are you doing for the summer? And I said, you know, we'll go out and uh, you can make some money, pick corn, have some fun. It was hard work yeah. up at three o'clock in the morning out in the field, <laughs> pulling corn, selling at market. But then when we would make, you know, ice cream and uh, Earl Whitebread was the, the grandfather of the farmer. He loved to make ice cream. So hmm. I, it wasn't hard for me to convince him to say, <laughs> let's make some ice cream. And uh, and even back then, then I started talking about it. We'd be on a wagon. You'd have to sort the beans. You'd have to like take all these beans and sort them and grade them. Hmm. And be talking like, you know, someday I think we're going to have an ice cream company, you know, joking around. <laughs> Around, continually joking around about this. Hmm. Um, and the really great part of it is that uh, Jan Whitebread, who's my my age, we were really close friends. When I started the ice cream company and I got it really going and I was by myself hmm. and uh, up in Lake George trying to operate this equipment, I had no idea. And he's a really good mechanic hmm. and he's always interested in food. And I said, yeah, you got any vacation days? You want to come on up to Lake George and, <laughs> and uh, help me out with some ice cream equipment? And like he was there in a second. Hmm. And uh He's become my right hand. I mean, he and I originally ran the whole factory together, loaded trucks, delivered all the ice cream. So Wow. Um, and, and then his dad retired, and he actually worked the ice cream line for us for many years when I was running the plant. So uh, it's like full story. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so you are living in Pennsylvania growing up and working summers on a farm and eating a bunch of ice cream. <laughs> All right, so what's next? How do you go? How do you get from there to ice cream? <laughs> yeah, so the the, the quick, I'll, I'll, I'll go fast over the quick jump. Part of it was, look, I wanted to work. I thought I always wanted to be in a big business, and I, I got a degree in accounting and moved to New York City, became an accountant, eventually became CFO of a mid-sized company in Manhattan, mm-hmm. lived in this tiny studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Um and the ice cream thing was there. It was like kind of, I was telling people, hey, you know what? I'm going to quit my job and move up to Ben and Jerry's. And people were laughing. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting <laughs> you're going to do that. Um, but around 2001, sort of post 9-11, this company was having a lot of you know, challenges and there was just a lot of stuff going on. And you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. And I started uh, a little ice cream maker, the kind you buy at Bloomingdale's. And I started mm. making it in this studio apartment. Mm. It, was, it was big time smaller than this room mm. had a murphy bed i used to put the ingredients lay them out there and stand in this little thing and make ice cream take it to work everybody loved it 
they're like, this is great. This is amazing. And at that time, there's very few people doing simple ingredients or local ingredients. Mm. And it's milk, cream, sugar, and eggs uh, was the base. It was a recipe from when I grew up on the farm. Okay. I took it to work. And then the wheels just started turning. I started mm. visiting farms and my vacations. I started knocking on doors of ice cream. I traveled Northern California, knocking on doors of ice cream factories and dairies. And sometimes these people would let me in mm. and they would show me how it works, how they make. So I got to learn a lot about just by watching. Mm. Um, and then I learned about the equipment I needed. And I saw, I went to the Bronx where they made these batch freezers for ice cream. And mm. uh, I was about 35 grand to get one. And it was all my savings. I'm like, I really don't know if I could swing that. And, then I went into, uh, there's a food hall in the bottom of Grand Central Station, mm-hmm. and there was an auction one day, and there's an ice cream place there. They had a fr- batch freezer, and um, I got in the auction, bought the ice cream machine, <laughs> had no idea what to do with it, uh, had to call a buddy in the furniture business to get it out of there, paid cash, 3500 bucks. didn't even know if it worked, and uh, sent it to a friend's house in New Jersey and said, look, I'm sending something over, put it in your garage for a while. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? Um, and then short time later, I was up at Silver Bay where up in the the Adirondacks and they had the ice cream store and one of my friends was working in the ice cream store there and I was like, I got an idea. What if I start making ice cream here? Mm. What if we do it? And uh, he was like, you're crazy. Why would you quit your job? Why would you do that? And Mm. short time later, I had the ice cream machine on the back of a trailer driving it up to the Adirondacks, quit my job. People thought I'd be back in a little while and it's been about 16 years. That's wild. That's a crazy story. So when you were traveling around and kind of, you know, going into these different uh, ice cream factories and creameries, were you, did you have the idea that one day you're going to have an ice cream business or was it just curiosity for? I think I was really curious of how it works, how the food business works. And I mean, I think that dream was always there. Like, I'm going to do this someday. I would like Mm -hmm. to have an ice cream company, but I don't, you know, I had no idea. But you start to see how things work and Mm. people will start to tell you stuff and you could start to put the vision in your head of how at least I could see like how the factory would come together. And uh, it was a great vision. And at that time, there was very little Mm. local food movement. You know, this was 20 years ago. So a little local food movement, little on the simple ingredients. And I would talk to farmers. I would go to places and people would be like, that's a great idea, Paul. But like, you got to buy a tractor trailer load. Like everything Mm. was made for big production. Yeah. We're in a different world today, which is amazing. There's so much support for doing small stuff, but it was all big. Yeah. And uh, hmm. it was, uh, yeah, it was a crazy beginning for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, the local food movement was, you know, a Calo- San Francisco thing, right? Napa Valley thing. And then, you know, is now swept over. Um, so are you still in New York City? So I'm in uh, New York City and Lake George kind okay. of in the combination. So I moved up to Lake George and we made the ice cream there for uh, just the summers, just batch freezer i got a wooden box put the ice cream in the back of a wooden box in the back of a suv and drove it around <laughs> um and it was a, it was a summer business and um but i had to support it so back then then i would work i called all my old employers and worked part-time gigs hmm. during the winter yeah. um and then um you know decided eventually one of the best parts of this whole ice cream story is that that's how i met my wife so oh, at the end cool. of the day she was like <laughs> totally was not interested in me um, found but she out found out I was going, cream. I said, I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm leaving New York City. I'm moving to the Adirondacks. And she's like, what? And next thing you know, so That's we've been wild. married since then. And so it's been, <laughs> it's been fun. And she's, she's been a big supporter and a big help for all those, all the years. She doesn't make it in the factory anymore. She yeah. did that one summer. And that was it. All right. So I'm fascinated by a couple of different things. Uh, one of them is like the, the trajectory of the business from that day to today. But, uh, um, that's kind of my wife. I wasn't making ice cream. That's not how we met. We met on a dating app. And, uh, but at the time I had this business as a side hustle and I was working as a regional manager for a mattress chain in upstate New York. 
And I was very purposeful in my dating profile when it said occupation to not put mattress salesman, but instead I put owner of Eat Local New York. And the first message that she sent me was, oh my God, you own Eat Local New York. I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> so that's, that's how awesome. we got connected. Yeah. That food brings the world together. That's a part of, that's a big part of, big part of become a big part of that around that Kramer now and bring people together with food. So, yeah. Um, so it's, 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 you know, we were, Nicole and I were talking about it before you came in and Matt was, you know, we've started to, we, I've, I've, especially in our area here in central New York, we just got this, you know, plethora of farms and food, you know, local food producers and, you know, it's great, bountiful area, um, especially pushing west to the Finger Lakes. But we've kind of lost since COVID, like the, prior to COVID, the conversation was a lot about amazing local chefs and restaurants and local food and all these local producers. And then since COVID, you know, my joke has been it's, it's shifted to like 50 cent wings, you know, like that's been the topic of conversation. So we've made this really, we're starting to make this really strong push to kind of try and bring at least our area back to talking about and focusing on like the local, uh, local food movement, so to speak. So we've been having like farmers on recently and just all these people that are doing exceptional things in food here in central New York. And then... As Nicole was just putting the ice cream in the freezer. She's like, did you see the ingredients? There's like hardly anything in there. It's all like, you know, natural local things. So. That's that's part of the beauty. It's the same recipe of when I was a kid hmm. on the farm. And it's it's milk, cream, sugar, and eggs. And and um, keeping it simple mm-hmm. is, look, that's how you make ice cream great. And it's got, yes, it's got fat, it's got sugar, it's got all that stuff. But it's a treat. Hmm. It should have all that stuff. And the other aspect is, you know, working with farms meaning our, our egg and dairy, that's a critical thing. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, how do we connect? A big part about our under creamery is I'm a small business. Mm-hmm. I'm the only owner of it. And 90% mm-hmm. of our suppliers are very similar. Like this is how it makes, it makes the state turn around. It yeah. makes the wheels turn. And I think part of what I talk to people about in stores is this is the connection between not just me and the ice cream, but like all the people that make our ice cream possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually a core group of the farms that we use are right here. They're north of Utica. Okay. And originally when I was in Lake George, I got connected with them and we did a little bit of experimenting and some stuff. And then as we grew, um, we ended up back. That's kind of our home where, so we're actually pretty, really close to here. That's cool. And, um, and having those families, uh, engage in the process, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. And, and everybody's just trying to make a living. They're doing what they do. Right. Um, and that's part of the beauty. Mm-hmm. And, and the other part is it's the connection to, the food, the farms, you know, how they take mm. care of their animals, even our drive, like people who drive for us, it's independent truck driver who we know. So it's mm. like all the way down that chain. Um, and that's really important. Yeah. And that's that whole circle of being that local food movement. And it doesn't mean that it's always tiny and it doesn't mean it's big. It can be both. Mm-hmm. It can be both. And, and, you know, there's the aspect of you do have some giant companies trying to push into that and, you know, take over. But, you know, I think consumers understand. Yeah. They're, they're, they're real about it. And yeah. um, it's a really important piece because not only is it amazing food, amazing products, amazing ingredients, I always say, look, you should look at the label and everything should be something you could find in your own kitchen mm. in our ice cream. Um, but then, you know, the other aspect is you do need support from from grocery stores. So, you know, we do mm. with a lot of independent grocery stores. We do a lot of co-ops. And we do with, like, Wegmans. You know, yeah. like, they are a large company, but they're local Really, yeah. now that they're they're much larger than that, they're you know D.C. to to Boston, but they're from Central and Western New York, yeah. and they're paying attention because the customers are paying attention. Yeah. So it's a really important aspect, and you know it's it's been great to 
actually have that as a channel to share the ice cream, the message, and all those things. Yeah, Wegmans is, you know, for the, they started um, a couple years ago, you know, with like a local company here, Recess Coffee. And they made a call, they called them up one day and said, we're trying to like make an effort to bring in more of these small local companies that have products and bring them in. And so, and they started that push, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, where all of a sudden you started to slowly but surely, at least in our immediate area, I don't think you're going to find Recess Coffee in, you know, Washington, D.C., but you're going to find it at any of like the central New York area Wegmans, uh, which is a huge deal for a small company like that, you know, to get into a place like Wegmans of all things. No, it's it's a, it's a really great thing that, that larger, you know, very prominent companies are paying attention mm-hmm. and they're focused on it. And it's great for the community because it's, you know, it's getting people employment, it's getting their products out there, but it's great for the customer. It's really has a benefit to everyone. And I think that movement uh, is continuing. Mm-hmm. It's really continuing. So it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. on both sides, but it, you know, it's a lot of effort from the company because, you know, we're not huge giant corporations that they're used to dealing with and right. from us, you know, dealing with them. So it's really great. And I, I'm hopeful that that starts to bring back what you're talking about, that whole local food restaurant mm-hmm. at the core level that, you know, you're getting that attention to where the ingredients come from. Yeah. And people are, you know, very focused on not just, you know, this is the cheapest bucket of wings. There. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think in, in terms of that, a part of it is, is just, you know, uh, it's, that's an ecosystem. You have to have the producers, um, you have to be able to, get that, you know, what they produce out to the masses or at least make it accessible. And then uh, I think we, we play a part in just being able in talking about it. Uh, you know, like we could, there's a lot of videos that we could make of trying to get a five pound cheese steak and, you know, as many <laughs> cheese pull shots. And don't get me wrong, I want those because we get a lot of views from it. Uh, but it's also us, you know, talking about being deliberate and talking about and highlighting the stories of, um of those local farmers. We're, we're, I'm hoping, actually, I think I have a call later today or tomorrow. I think it's later today with a farmer. We've been wanting to do this video series. Uh, it might be something to cool, cool to do with you all, actually. Um, so I've always wanted to follow various animals on the farm, whether it's... Uh, so one of the companies we're going to talk to with farms is um, Two Kids Goat Farm, which is here in central New York, and follow them from milking the goats all the way down to producing the cheese and then it going to the restaurant and then onto the plate. And um, and we've wanted to do that with like chickens and eggs and cows and beef and all that kind of stuff to kind of follow and not just show the story of that local farmer, but show kind of like this is the process of how your food gets from the farmer or from the farm to your plate, to your bowl, whatever the case is. That'd be cool to do that with a batch of ice yeah, cream. It, yeah, it's a, it's a really critical message yeah. to share. I mean, we're, you know, we're very focused on New York State. That's our home. And, and you know, I think, we, you know, the focus often is, well, everything comes from the city. And so, sure, we sell a lot of product. There's so much interest. There's innovation that comes from the city. But look, we have this bread basket, mm-hmm. central New York. You know, this, this part, you know, produces it's one of the third largest dairy producing state yeah. in the country. So, I mean, it's an amazing, to, and for people to see that whole connection in the process, it still amazes me. I mean, every time I see even ice cream, just where it comes from, you know, it mm-hmm. comes from the farm, the milk, you get to pasteurize it, and then seeing it change form, it's an incredible journey. It's a journey. Yeah, and it's, sure. it's a good one to share. It's, and there's the stories around it, but it's also, look, this is how food gets to your table and why, why it's important, why it's important to pay attention to central New York and upstate yeah, upstate environmental issues, farming issues, like these all matter. Mm-hmm. The same as you know the stuff that's happening in the in the city and downstate matters. So like it's it's a it's a system that we're all a part of. Yeah, and I think food is is a great way to connect 
people mm-hmm. um, in that chain and understand. It's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. All right. So how do you go from uh, take me through the next step. You're, you buy the ice cream, the freezer in Times Square, and you get it to your friend's house in Jersey, and you get on a trailer, and you take it up north. Take it up north. And what happens yep. from Take there? it up north, and it's just a series of hurdles, disasters, and all <laughs> kinds of stuff to get this thing going. I'm on the way up there with the trailer, and, and, and the, the people that run you know, Silver Bay, they call me. I'm on my cell phone, and they're like, uh, we got a problem. Like The electric won't go into the, into the room we're going to put it in. I'm like, look, I'm on my way. We'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> Find another home for it. Um, and then, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Hmm. Like, I never made ice cream, never in the food business. <laughs> I'm starting to put ice cream and make batches. But, you know, the thing is that, you know, we 80% of the stuff, 90% was really good. Hmm. 99% everybody bought. So I'm hmm. like, okay, there's something here. Hmm. But how do we, you know, and it was a summer business. We were just making ice cream two months a year, and I was working other jobs. And, uh, were you selling it, like, were you making it and to sell it out of an ice cream store or, like, in, in pints? All or? in a store. So there was an ice cream store there on the Silver Bay campus that I took over to manage all tubs. And then we would sell them to restaurants around the area, drive Mm -hmm. around and sell them to restaurants. We couldn't package pints because the machinery we had, you know, comes out too fast. And we tried it. It was another crazy mess of like (laughs) stuff coming all over. But the big transition happened was we got married and my wife, uh, Simi, she's, she was back in this, she had a business she started and she was back in the city. She says, look, there's a summer business. It's great. But like, we got to do something with it. You're going to do it all the time or, you know, we can't. So I said, you know what, how do we get this to get packaged? Mm. How do we get it? And the, the dream was to build a factory somewhere along the Hudson River so mm. we can service the entire state. And I'm on that journey, I'm looking at places and buildings, and people are excited, and they want to invest money, and I'm looking at these terrible buildings, terrible mm. situations. I'm like, oh, man, this could never, you know, this is going to take millions of dollars, and how, how many ice cream pints do I need to sell? And along that way, found a dairy in uh, Kingston, New York. Mm. It was one of the oldest-owned uh, family-owned dairies. Uh, almost 100 years at the time, and called him up and he said, come on over. Don't buy any equipment because I was going to put equipment in. Come on over and see me. And I went over and he had a room full of ice cream equipment. Hmm. And he said, I don't even know how to use this stuff. <laughs> we got it from a bankrupt customer and uh, it's in here. And um, if you can figure out how to use it and put it together and make the ice cream for our store, you know, got a piece of paper, made a deal, and that's how it happened. That's Ten, wild. Ten years, I worked in there and I learned about nine years in, I learned how to make ice cream using the equipment. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was the journey. And then I started taking pints, packaging pints, and we had no idea. We were putting the labels on them after we froze them. And oh my goodness, we had no idea. <laughs> packaging them into crates. And it took a long time to figure out what to do. But that really put us in touch with small local farms hmm. and farmers and working directly, making everything from scratch ourselves um, and then sourcing ingredients. And then I went to New York City with pint in a hand and started going to stores up and down 14th street and (laughs) trying to find people to take it. And, uh, that's how it got started. That's wild. Yeah. What was that? I mean, you know, I think, so that's what, 2003, 2004. Yeah, that got going. That was, that was 2008 when we started moving into that plant. Actually 2009 was when we've got our first uh, like fairway and whole foods and these stores in the city. And there was still the local food movement was starting to move. It started to have some energy, but still people were like, what is this? What is this package? It's not Ben and Jerry. No one's going to buy this. Yeah. <laughs> what were your examples? Like, who were your role models or examples of how to hustle to kind of get those, get that business going and like, especially to run out there and, and sell some of those bigger accounts or sell it all? Because I think 2008, I had a failed furniture store and I don't know why it failed, uh, except for, you know, at the time I just blamed the economy. Right. But I think it was just a lot of dumb decisions because I was a 21 year old kid. And, uh, but I had, I think back to being like a business owner then, and I had zero 
like the internet existed, but not like it does today. Today I could pull up a thousand different inspirational entrepreneurial websites or TikTok accounts or books. Back then there wasn't any of that stuff. No, there wasn't there wasn't anything like that around. And like I had this, you know, vague thing that I wanted to be in business, I wanted to be in the food business. But look, the, the real inspiration was like my dad, who was not in the food business, but my dad picked up, came to this country by himself. Hmm. Um and you know, I'm like, if you had the courage to do that, you could do anything. Yeah. Like, you know, that that's a real, you know, and, and I don't know if I've, you know, ever like told him I made that connection from that, but I've told hmm. him, you know, look, you know, you left everything you knew behind hmm. and came to another place. Yeah. And, you know, he had this dream and that's part of the whole story. You know, he had a dream. He's like, look, I'm going to come to a place. And he says, and he waited to come to America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had opportunities to go to other countries and, you know, and to do things to try to advance his, his, his career. And he said, no, I'm going to go to America. He says, because he mm-hmm. says, I'll always be a foreigner. He says, but my kids will be American because mm-hmm. that's different. So like, that was like, if he could do that, wow. then I could do, I could do anything. So like, honestly, that was always been in the back of my mind. I'm like, so you just you know keep going at what you're trying to do. So um, I think when you, you're talking about that story, the first thing that pops in my head is like the. Do you ever watch a show, Master of None? Yeah. You know, did you see? I don't know. In the first season, him and his friend, or you know, like his dad's like, I need you to fix my iPad, and he's like, Dad, I don't have time. I got to go to the movies. <laughs> and, you know, towards the end of the episode, they wound up going to dinner with their parents and hearing the story of how their parents immigrated to America and all the hard things that they had to go through and. Yeah, it really is wild to think, uh, you know, like kind of where that um, determination kind of comes from in us. And I think sometimes maybe it's just genetic. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't I don't know, because you know what, it, it, there is something. I think everybody, everybody who comes here, there's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Wherever they came 100 years ago or they're coming now, I think there is something in them. Because <laughs> yeah. it's unique. And because not everybody has that mm-hmm. um, wherever. So it's a very unique, a unique thing. And it, and it, and it makes it exciting because that's actually what, you know, that energy makes stuff happen, makes yeah. stuff grow. And yeah. uh, hmm. it's, uh, yeah, I think that that was in the back of my head, like, okay, you can keep going and you keep you keep going. And, you know, eventually <laughs> somebody's like, yeah, I'll take that ice cream. We'll put it on, <laughs> on the shelf. And, um, you know, and then that's how it started to go. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's been a wild journey. It's always a wild journey. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. That's wild. So uh, was your, was your mess, like when you're, so now you've got the factory. It's 2008, 2009. You're starting to sell, trying to sell ice cream uh, in New York City. What's your messaging then? Is it is it? Do you know that it's important that you're focusing on the local ingredient, like simple ingredients, yeah. local products? That's always from the get go. Mm-hmm. That from the get go. Once we started to do that, is like the real key is local ingredients close to home. And at that time, look, we were just selling New York City. Everything was like within 90 miles. We had this mm. whole thing. We had this thing at that time. It was possible like 36 hours from cow till we made the ice cream. Mm. So it was a really cool beginning and that was getting a lot of attention. And look, that's just actually how I knew how to do it. Yeah. So like that was our, our real first core thing. And, you know, that's mm. evolved today into like beyond just sourcing that way but making the connection mm-hmm. making people aware you know getting that connection with all this this whole chain to me mm-hmm. is an amazing thing um that was the beginning and then you know we did flavors that you know it's a very funny story about the flavors we did vanilla uh mint chip which was one of my favorite white face mint chip we named it after the mountain mm-hmm. um and then we did a, a a chocolate chocolate chip very basic stuff but then we're like okay my wife said you know got to make something from kashmir that's where she's from mm-hmm. and her aunt in buffalo taught me how to make kulfi mm-hmm. and so we made this flavor it was a kulfi pistachio cardamom. Hmm. And no one would buy this in the beginning because <laughs> no one knew what it was. 
and the beauty is that like that's our number one seller at Wegmans now. Really? That's like our number three seller overall. That's because wild. over the time frame, people have gotten to know what cardamom is. Like they've paid attention to ingredients. They're watching food TV. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, it's it's a recognized flavor. People are like, oh, I'll buy that. Hmm. And I'm like, really? You know what that is? It's it's like <laughs> it's it's fun. So the evolution of people's taste, and that's everywhere. Yeah. You know, that's that's not just in the city. We're selling that all over the state. Hmm. Um in areas where you know it's it, it's really cool to see people are paying attention to that and they're paying attention to where the food comes from. Yeah, that's wild. So over time, like over the years, has it been challenging? Because you've got a you've got a wide variety of flavors, but you, it's not like you have this like massive book of flavors, which I like. And uh, so over time, has it been challenging to not try to jump on trends or say we're going to come out with a thousand different flavors that are available? Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big focus is to like. Trends are fun, mm-hmm. and it's fun to be innovative and try different stuff. But it's always got to fit. It's always got to fit. And so, like, part of the strategy that we have is, like, look, on a grocery store shelf, we'd like to offer some basics that people really love. I want this to be the mint chip you buy every week because you just mm-hmm. love the mint chip. It's my favorite flavor. But then, look, when you're there, you know, maybe we've got uh, this uh, unique flavor. We're doing the, the pistachio cardamom. One of the other ones we did in 2016, I did Syrian date and walnut, mm-hmm. and it became a great story. So I'd always try to get dates in the ice cream. You could never get them in because they would freeze and turn into little ice balls, and it wasn't great. And so um, at that time, I, I got online, and, and I was just looking, and there was a, there was a Syrian baker in Brooklyn, and he uh, had these all these treats. Mm-hmm. So it was like Ramadan time, so I bought all these treats, and um, he had this cookie with mamul, which is a date paste, mm-hmm. a mamul cookie with date paste. I'm like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Got to turn that into ice cream. And I went to meet him, and he didn't speak any English. I took a friend with me uh, who was Egyptian. She translated, and I talked to him about it, and I said, look, I'd like to turn that into an ice cream, and I did. Mm. And it became our Syrian date and walnut, mm. and you know, it was a unique flavor. And part of it was it, two parts of the story came out. was like, look, there's something about it here. Like in the United States, we always take things from around the world, and we find ways to make them locally, and then we make them our own. Mm-hmm. Like Dolce de Leche, everybody thinks, oh, it's an American flavor now. Like, no, it came from somewhere else. It's the beauty. Yeah. And so, you know, this was a new flavor. I'm like, oh, let's let's try this, and let's let's see what happens and put out there in the public a new, you know, something new and different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it evolved into, like, we made a package that kind of celebrated that, you know, people coming from everywhere and immigration. And then we decided, you know what, this is a great way to like, at the time, and it's still going on, the Syrian refugee crisis was a big deal, and it still is a major problem, hasn't gone away. So I met some people who worked for the IRC mm-hmm. and learned what they were doing on the ground. I said, look, we'll give half the profits of this flavor mm. to the IRC. And that was an amazing thing. To, we connected customers, connected ourselves, myself, to like learning about what's going on in that country, what kind of... Mm challenges people are facing what's causing them to leave you know what kind of aid they need yeah. and it's been amazing over the years our customers have you know helped us to raise over thirty thousand dollars awesome. that goes you know to help people with earthquakes and refugee and it's, it's amazing so yeah and the story was to bring people together the real story the flavor was here's somebody different here's something you never had before oh it's not that much different oh and maybe it's amazing <laughs> it tastes amazing so you know it's a good way to bridge a gap yeah that's great all right, so yeah, you know, now you're on 14th Street and you're selling ice cream and trying to get in restaurants and stuff. And, and you know, walk me through what's next. Um, you know, it was it was a real challenge. You just go in every day and, and try to get folks to take it. Well, distribution is the big key. Yeah, you know, so you've got to have a distributor that's going to help you to get the product out. And so once you know, we found a family-owned business that we've been you know with for a long time, and, and uh, he said, "Look, bring me a customer and I'll deliver your ice cream." Mm. You know, and that 
that's how it, you know it got started. I got, hey, I got two customers. Hmm. Run up, run upstate, grab the grab the ice cream, get it to his warehouse, and start hmm. delivering it. Um, and then you know at that time the local food movement was taking off, so Whole Foods started coming into the city. So that became one of our key customers. But it took a long hmm. time, eighteen months, knocking on the door, trying to find a way to like get introduced and to try to get the product. And you know we've hmm. that was in two thousand nine. You know that happened, which was great. And they've grown and expanded and been a great voice for. For local food. Yeah. And so then that, you know, hmm. all the specialty retailers and co-ops um, are great places. These little independent shops, maybe they're mom and pops, maybe they're a five, five, five uh, chain, five location chain. Yeah. So we just started, same thing, door to door and growing throughout the city. And then we started to come back up towards the Hudson Valley hmm. and, you know, and then back to central New York. And, you know, that's, that's been an amazing ride to try, yeah. to, try to do. Yeah. All right. So now is the factory still in... Kingston? No, so we outgrew. Okay. Uh, outgrew the factory, and we went through a series of trying to f- different co-packing arrangements in different places. That you know, trying to find a home, and it brought us back to Central New York, hmm. to the dairy and the uh, the processing plant that's uh, that's north of Utica, okay. which uh, we had made ice cream base there a long time ago, hmm. and it's great because we're connected then directly to the farmers, hmm. and there's a plant there, and we, we completely outgrew it, but it was also not possible to like hmm. you know build this giant factory and then how much ice cream you're going to make and how to, how do you keep connected to the, to the farm? So yeah. it's been a good, it's been a good, uh, good direction and it's, it's great because it's really made us more connected to other parts of the state. Yeah. So how long have you been there? Uh, we started at like 2016, 17, okay. maybe 18 in that range, like the close to probably 2017. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's been, that's been just fantastic. Yeah. It's been a fantastic thing. And you know, it's, it's led us to, you know, being more innovative and like you said, having the whole book of flavors, like we try to be strategic in, you know, a store shelf can only take eight, mm. you know, a restaurant might take a whole variety of stuff. So yeah. we're always trying to find, you know, what's the, what's the mm. next thing that we're going to do, but also within those are the right parameters to make it. Yeah, for sure. So are, are you in a lot of restaurants or, you know, wholesale opportunities? That's what we're trying to grow now. So we have a few, we do a few ice cream scoop shops. We do, we do some restaurants, uh, but not as many as we'd like. And the key for that is we're trying to find the right way to make it easy for the restaurant to get it. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, the right distributor? Because it's such a great way to actually go really farm, like farm to table, just yeah. like at home and, and share the story, whether they're actually sharing the story, but it fits, or if they're, if they're not, but it still fits in that whole chain. If they're focused on local food um, hmm. and super premium ingredients and where they come from, it's a great fit. So we just started hmm. now changing some packaging. So we used to only make large two-and-a-half-gallon tubs. We're doing okay. the five-liter trays hmm. to try to make it more convenient. You can store it in a small restaurant. Yeah. You, gotta, you, know, you have that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like some of the some of the more hyper local restaurants around here make their own ice cream, which is a pain, you know, obviously. And uh, and they're doing ultra small batches, you know, they're not doing anything crazy uh, for their dessert menu or anything like that. But I'm trying to think of like what are the really other hyper local creameries in the area? I mean, there's Burn Dairy, obviously, but that's a massive massive company. Um, there's Perry's, which is a huge New York State company, but. I think they're a New York State company, but I don't know if yeah. any other like local. No, there's small... not. There's not many. There's not many people in that space. So yeah. that's something really exciting for us that we're taking a look yeah. at and trying to see. You know, and that's actually across the state. We've got some in the Hudson Valley. There's this Central New York. There's Western. New York, there's a lot of great places that uh-huh. that um, are looking to do that. And they're also frustrated with making their own ice cream because it's tough to make ice cream, especially when you're doing small batch in a restaurant right. and you're making, you know, 
40 other things at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And it's a pain. I started making ice cream at home uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's not easy. I mean, it's easy, but it's not easy to perfect it. <laughs> Be careful where that leads you. This is how this is. That, you never know where that's going to lead you. You never know where that's going to lead you. you know, and yeah. then if, you, if you have a, a, a family that's willing to taste and try it, you know, you yeah. just never know where that's going to go. That would lead me to divorce is what that would lead me to. <laughs> that would lead me to my wife saying, that's enough businesses now. I'm gone. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I have too many ideas as it stands. Nicole can tell you a little bit about those as well. I have too, way too many ideas that pop up. Um, so have you, did you ever kind of to- think about or toy with the idea of like opening up your own ice cream shop somewhere? It's funny. In the very beginning, you know, that's where we started was I was running this ice cream yeah. shop. And uh, the, the reason I kind of moved away from that model was I wasn't as focused on the ice cream. I was mm. totally focused on, you know, the store and running. And it was the ideal place. I'm on Lake George. It's the place that inspired me to make ice cream. And I'm like, this is fun, but like, it's mm. a nutty job. Yeah. Um, and then I, we had kids and it really moved away from that because I'm like, look, I don't have the time. I have my children, my family, like to run every weekend to run a store. And, you know, it takes away. And so I actually ran the ice cream company at night. I'd go and we'd make the mm. ice cream overnight and tr- drive it and ship it. And all that would happen overnight. So I wasn't, mm. you know, away from home that long. But now we're coming full circle to... That's a very interesting thing that we've been exploring, and we're going to do some pop-ups this summer. That's cool. Um, because it's a great way to connect with the customers. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a different stage now, and, and I also know a lot more about, I think I know a lot more about <laughs> running stuff. I probably don't. But it's a great way to make this connection where you're talking to people. Like So now we're selling everything, you know, CPG is the word. Everybody says, look, we're on, the, we're on grocery store shelves, which is amazing. I'm very, you know, I'm honored and fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but that's a tough business. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's a lot of demands. It's very competitive. There's less margins, and I'm not making the same connection talking to people. Like if I'm in a store and sampling and talking to people, like that's an amazing thing. You're getting immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. They're having an experience with the ice cream. They're having that connection, and that's part of the whole thing, mm-hmm. is to have an experience with ice cream that you remember. Yeah, you know, and it, mm-hmm. who knows where it influences you to go. You yeah, um, but that yeah. So that's this summer will be a fun thing to see how that goes, and and we'll see. That yeah. could be the next. Uh, the next thing, and I think there's a lot of places in New York that uh, would really be great to have an ice cream. Yeah, for shop. sure. Yeah, without a doubt. When I was like, I was thinking about some of the festivals around here in Syracuse, or even just pop-ups where you know it could happen. We own, um, so I'm a partner at uh, this restaurant, Through and Fried, that's in North Syracuse here, and we just do fried chicken sandwiches. But right next to us is is it Peter's? What's that name? ice cream stand? Peter's Polar Par- Parlor. Is that it? Is that, yeah, okay. Um, that'd be cool to, like, coordinate some sort of a pop-up there, you know, fried yeah. chicken and ice cream. No, fried chicken and ice cream, they, they go well together. It's funny, I was in a store yesterday, and somebody was talking about literally fried chicken ice cream. Hmm. I was like, uh, have you had that yet? Have you tried <laughs> to make that yet? I'm like, they might go really well together, side by side on a plate. Yeah. But that the whole experience and sharing people of how, you know, you eat yeah. and how it mixes together and that connection, it's, it's a really great thing. And then... Yeah. The beauty is if you can do that and have that experience and then look, when we're not there or you're not at that shop and you can buy it mm-hmm. at a grocery store or, or an independent market, and then you can, you know, you'll have that experience again. You can remember, oh, this is where I got, you know, there's that connection that stays with the food. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see, kind of hear the story of how it goes from you working on the farm and, you know, the ice cream recipe to then now today, you know, that recipe being in Wegmans. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, one of the things that's very... Uh, 
uh, I'd say people are like surprised that they're like, oh, it's you. You like you make the ice cream. You started the company, <laughs> and um, and we're still a small family-owned business. Like you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of folks, and there's nothing. You know, there's lots of variety. Of people get in the food business. People, some people get in just purely like we're going to raise tons of money and we're going to have investment. We're going to mm-hmm. flip it and sell it. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But it's a completely different thing than you're on the ground. Your your real purpose is to like be a part of the whole food. I call it the food wheel, mm-hmm. and you're. Your purpose is, you know, you're you're connecting people with different the sources, the farmers, and and you're an independent business, and it kind of what makes the whole thing go around. And it's you know, it's a there's room for everybody, but it's it's yeah. uh, it's really uh, a great experience to do that. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, what are your goals for you know the business? I mean, do you want to? Are you hoping one day to be in every grocery store in the country, or you know, what are your ultimate goals for the business? That's definitely, you know, not my, not my main thing to be, you know, in every <laughs> single grocery store. But what we really, uh, the core first is, is our state, is New York State, our surrounding neighboring states. We do some selling in New York, Jersey and Connecticut, and, mm-hmm. um, and that's been a great foray. So it's really this, this I call it the little, the Northeast Corridor, but it, it's founded in New York. Mm-hmm. It's a New York business, and there's a, a lot of interest in stuff that comes out of New York, yeah. the Adirondacks and from the state. Um, so the real goal for me is to really be in that chain where, you're going from like Massachusetts, New York, down to Washington D.C. That little corridor. Hmm. That's where we want to, you know, share ice cream, share the experience, connect people to, to where we're coming from, um, and I think that that's just the ideal place for us because we can also share that experience. We can get out there and talk. We can, you know, it's hmm. not all a marketing game. Then there's a real experience game. Yeah. You're not just if I'm going to try to do it in California. I mean. What kind of marketing am I? There's, all, there, there's great ice cream in California. Yeah. There's great local farmers out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a different thing. Yeah, for sure. Huh. All right. So, if you were going to give advice, you know, like our audience is, I, is, I think, because it's grown a lot recently, but uh, primarily business owners, restaurant owners. So, do you have any advice you would give to like an early business owner? Yeah, uh, a few things. One is. Um, Certainly, never part with your original inspirational dream. Mm. You can get swayed along the way by a lot of different opportunities. Mm. Um, you know, stick with it until you prove it doesn't work to yourself, mm. and hopefully, it does work. But I think there's a lot of opportunity to sway left and right into different stuff and get distracted. Stay with what your your core of what you want to do, and if you believe in it and you really think it has a message or it really delivers food in the way you want to do it, then then keep going with it. Mm. I think that's like definitely a really a core thing to do yeah uh is to do that and and second you know is you know you got to try to be prepared you may have to do it may not be hard you may have to you were talking about being a mattress while you're doing this (laughs) podcast you may have to do a lot of other stuff along the way Mm -hmm. to make it happen Mm -hmm. and but it's worth it you know you got to keep at it and you may have to sell mattresses or do accounting (laughs) in the background or work for you know work for anybody to to help make that dream come true so i think you got to stay on that Stay on that path, and and the other part, I think the other the most important part is the connections you make along the way, mm. your suppliers, your the farmers, the where you're getting the food from, because all these things come full circle. I was starting out, you know, many many years ago, I was working with these farms over here in Central New York, and like mm. many year gap had went by, and then I really needed to find a home, and guess what? We still you know mm. turn around and do it. So I think that's really keys. That's cool. Make sure you keep those going. Yeah. All right. So final question. And this is something a local restaurant owner asked me to ask all my guests. And I remember about 80% of the time. Uh, but David Anastasio from the Peachtree Sandwich Company, what I'm going to ask everybody, why do you do what you do? That's a really great question. 
And you know what? It brings me like personally just it, it's a lot of joy. Like the fact of that I get to talk to people. I get to take something that's in one form and turn it into something else. Mm. I do what I do because ice cream, look, ice cream at the end of the day, whether you're sad and somebody wants to have an ice cream cone and feel better, <laughs> you're happy you're celebrating something. Um, you're angry you want to get over something. Or people have a difference of opinion. You know, and like we can sit down and agree this ice cream's really good. We may not agree on anything else, but that bring that to me is like that's that's powerful stuff, and mm. I and I and I love it. I mean, I love the medium. I love ice cream. I love I love food. But like that's really for me what it's about is is mm. making that connection, meeting people, and and talking to them and sharing experience. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of a, there's a lot easier ways to make money. <laughs> that, that's I'll tell. That's the other advice I'll give to everybody else is you could do a lot easier, find easier ways to make money for sure. You know, but if you follow what you really want to do, um, yeah, you know, the money can follow, and you know, you can make a living. You know, it might be a hard way to do it, but it can happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, and we're gonna put out some stuff uh, here in a little bit, talking about where you can get. Adirondack Creamery ice cream. Uh, so stay tuned for all that. And we're going to put descriptions and links and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. Thanks, Paul. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. Again, I do want to mention, if you are thinking about Adirondack Creamery, you want to check them out, make sure you go to Wegmans. Any area Wegmans, find their pints on the shelf in the ice cream aisle. And uh, again, my favorite was the Syrian date and walnut, but the um, the the chocolate peanut butter was also really good. So it was the white face cho- or mint chip, really delicious. Uh, anyways, check them out. And if you're you know a restaurant interested in wholesale, send me an email, anthonyeatlocalnewyork.com. I'd be glad to make the you know, connect the dots for you to get connected to them or just check out their website at around.creamery.com. And a big shout out to our sponsor with Brown Carbonic. Again, call them at 315-454-3591 and uh, talk to them about a lot of different things, but specifically the nitrogen CO2 that you may need for your draft beer system. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We're going to get you back here next week for a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. Mm-hmm.